Do you find it difficult to listen to the radio at the same time every day? If you're like me, the answer is yes. That's why podcasting is so convenient. And if you have a smartphone or a computer and an internet connection, you have everything you need to get started. Just visit insightforliving.ca slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. At Insight for Living Canada, we have three podcasts available for you to stream or download when you want, where you want, at your convenience. There's our 30-minute daily Insight for Living, our 5-minute Life Track, and our 1-minute Audio Devotional Insights. Podcasts are a simple and easy way to stay connected with solid Bible teaching. Visit insightforliving.ca slash podcast today. Because we can't see into the future, we're prone to worry about unwanted problems that await us. Our humanity doesn't allow for accurate forecasting. And yet, for the follower of Jesus Christ, we don't need to live in fear. Faith gives us a credible foundation for hope. Today on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll points to that epic moment that changed everything. It's a spiritual victory that obliterates our obsession with fear. This message is part of Chuck's biographical study on the life of Jesus. He titled today's message, Not to Worry, He is Risen. I would like for us to read together from the uh, Gospels, first from Matthew chapter 27, and then if you'll place your finger in John chapter 20, I want to read a few of the first verses there in the 20th chapter, from the last part of Matthew 27, and then the first few verses of John chapter 20. Matthew 27, beginning at verse 55. And many women were looking on from a distance who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom was Mary Magdalene, along with Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man came to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given over to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, sitting opposite the grave. Now on the next day, which is the one after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I am to rise again. Therefore, Give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come 
and stealed him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go. Make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Now, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 20, uh, the first uh, 10 verses. John 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter, therefore, also came following him and entered the tomb, and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then entered in, therefore, the other disciple also, who had first come to the tomb, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. You're listening to Insight for Living. To dig deeper into the Bible with Chuck Swindoll, be sure to download his Searching the Scriptures guide by going to insightforliving.ca studies. And now the message from Chuck titled, Not to Worry, He is Risen. Some of us are worriers. Worriers. I, I confess I worried yesterday as I was driving through Capel, one of our little communities here, not far away, and it was hailing and raining and the thunder and the lightning was everywhere and my heart went out to all of you going to, um, well, sunrise service tomorrow morning. At least it was tomorrow then. And you were already setting your clocks ahead so you'd be one hour less and I thought the rain will be... But before the afternoon had come, it was a wonderful beautiful, glorious day, worrying. This caused me to do a little reading this past week in the life of one of my favorite theologians, Irma Bombeck. <laughs> Irma has a way of saying things that we thought we were the only ones who thought like that. She said, I've always worried a lot, and frankly, I'm good at it. I worry about introducing people and going blank when I get to my mother. <laughs> I worry about a shortage of ball bearings, a snake coming up through the kitchen drain. I, I, I worry about the world ending at midnight and getting stuck with three hours on a 24-hour cold capsule. 
That is hilarious. I, I worry about getting into the Guinness Book of World Records under pregnancy, oldest on record. I worry what the dog thinks when he sees me coming out of the shower. Or that one of my children will marry an Eskimo who will set me adrift on an iceberg when I can no longer feed myself. I worry about sales ladies following me into the fitting room. Oil slicks, Carol Channing going bald. I, I, I worry about scientists discovering someday that lettuce has been fattening all along. <laughs> now, I'm going to confess to you, since confession is good for the soul, since I was a little boy, I've worried about three things. And my worries come in three Ds that will help you remember me. Remember my worry list. First of all, I've worried about the devil and his demons. I know why. It just has worried me. It's bothered me. I, and I know, I, I know we have power over the enemy. I know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I know that we have nothing to fear, but every once in a while I worry about the impact and the influence those insidious, invisible creatures have on God's people. I worry, for example, when we are getting underway and starting a church, what impact the demons can have on a work that's getting underway. How they can infiltrate and have their way and move through interesting situations that we would never have imagined before. The devil and the demons. Second D, darkness. Darkness. You know, I still sing when I go out late at night to get in my car. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I hope adults don't hear me when I do that. But I've been doing that since I was a little boy. I just think if it's dark, something is around the corner that's going to jump out at me. And usually that doesn't happen. One of my kids has done that from time to time. But usually that doesn't happen. And another is death. Death. It's not that I'm afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You understand. <laughs> My idea of the right time to die is after a great evening with my wife, I come home, we drop in bed, I fall sound asleep, and while I'm asleep, I die. Now, it's not very thoughtful to put it that way, but that's a great night to die. Another time would be when I'm in the doctor's office, and he's just gone out to get the proctoscope, and I'm standing there, <laughs> and I die. And he walks in, and I have this smile on my face when he comes back. That's a wonderful time for him to find me dead. And to live with the guilt that the fear killed me as he was out coming back in. Death. Isn't it interesting that all three of those situations, all three were present shortly before the first Easter morning? Stop and think about it. The devil and his demons must have danced with glee when they drove those spikes into Jesus' hands and feet. Finally, we've got him where we want him. They had worked so hard in the lives of the chief priests and the elders and Judas, right up to the end, getting him to that cross. They finally talked Pilate into it, and he waffled and finally gave in. And he said, here, take him and do with him as you please. And they jammed that crown of thorns on him, and they, they scourged him, and they, they drove him to the cross, and they dropped it in a hole. And there he hung, and there he died. How grateful they must have felt when he said, it is finished, and he died. Ah, that's it. We win. 
We have bruised his heel. They remember the old prophecy. But like the devil and his demons often do, they quote only half the verse. They forget that the other side says, and he will crush your head. Not realizing, having died on the cross and paid the penalty for sins, it would only be a matter of hours before he would rise triumphant over sin and death and the grave. The devil and his demons were not far away when he was nailed to that cross, nor was death. They didn't even have to break his legs, remember? They came to one of the thieves and they broke his legs so he couldn't move up any further to breathe and he died. And they broke the other thief's legs and then they came to Jesus and he was already dead. In fact, the centurion, a seasoned soldier who had seen death often, looked up and saw him hanging there. Having watched one of his soldiers spear him in the side and out came the blood and water. Physicians tell us to this day that one of the physical proofs of death is that the blood separates between the dark red corpuscles and the whitish serum called in the scriptures water. Proof of death. And the centurion looking up said, surely this was the son of God. Emphasis on was. He's gone. And since his friends and followers pulled him from the cross and, and wrapped him in, the, in, in the, the method of burying in those days and prepared him for the grave, surely they would have seen a sign of life and released him if he had been alive. But he was dead. Limp, lifeless, gray-white body. They laid in the tomb and they rolled the stone in front of it. And they walked away wondering, will we ever be able to go on? And darkness. Remember reading in John chapter 20, verse 1? Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark dark. I don't know how early you get up in the mornings. I, I tend to get up very early. Uh, there's no quieter time of the day than the day before the sun comes up. Busy merchants are not on the expressways and tollway finding their way to work. The birds aren't even up chirping and singing. It's silent. And it's dark. And that's the way it was that morning. Perhaps a, a heavy mist hung over that, that old, out-of-the-way place in old Jerusalem. I mean, it's a cemetery. The women arose early that day. The men are never said to have come to the tomb early. I, I don't criticize them. I'll, I'll confess to you, I wouldn't have gone. I, I don't like darkness and demons and death. I don't like those things. They've been spooky to me. I, I don't think anybody hangs around a grave site once night falls. But they had, a, they had a task to do. Now, we don't bury people today like they did then. We 
We tend to leave that to the, to the mortuary. The undertaker does that. We have a brief viewing of the body, and some of us aren't even comfortable with that. The lid is sealed. The coffin is, is treated with dignity and lowered into a hole, even without our being there. And it's not even an American custom. We watch them put dirt on the, on the, on the coffin. We're away from all that. The last several funerals I've been at, you couldn't even see the dirt. It was covered over with a phony grass. So you, you don't have to think about that. Not then. Not then. You've all seen pictures of and perhaps even examples of a mummy-like wrappings around a body. That's the way they prepared bodies back then. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus Disciples and followers of Christ had taken the body down and had carefully rolled it in the, 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 the linen wrappings. And it was the custom of that day for the stench would soon accompany a body after a few days in the grave for there to be spices brought to the grave site. Like we would bring flowers to a fresh grave. These women had for these days and hours prepared the spices, the aloes, the uh, myrrh, and uh, they, they came. Matthew tells us it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Mark adds the name Salome. Luke simply says the women. John only names Mary Magdalene. It's a very small group. Remember in the reading of Matthew, the women were sitting there when he was entombed. They knew exactly where the site was. So they returned in the darkness of the morning and stumbled along only to find a shocking realization that this, this hole is open. They could see it in the, in the dim lit scene in front of them. Somehow the stone had been rolled uphill and pushed aside. Matthew tells us it was an angel. And coming to the gravesite itself and walking inside, you see, they buried them in hillsides then and still do in some places in the east today. And they came into the little anteroom and they looked across and they squinted and they blinked and they couldn't believe their eyes. He was gone. Now, it all seems so right because we know the end of the story. We're, many of us are very familiar with this setting. We've been raised with it. But imagine having buried your friend three days ago. And you decide to drop by with flowers out of respect for your friend today. And you come upon the scene early in the morning, this Sunday morning, only to find the dirt is now back on the ground and the hole is empty and the coffin is open. What would be your first thought? Somebody took the body. That's exactly what they thought. They have taken away our Lord and we don't know where they have laid him. Laid him. We don't know where he is. It's their first thought. Go from John 20 back to Luke 24. You have to just take various gospel accounts to sort of piece the story together. They find the stone rolled away. They find the body gone. Grave clothes are still in there, the wrappings. 
Verse 4 tells us it happened that while they were perplexed, the word means without a way. Without a way, they were baffled. They were puzzled. We have the word in our day. It's a colloquialism of our day. Clueless. They were clueless. What in the world has happened to our Lord? Who would have the audacity to steal the body? And why? What good is a dead body out somewhere in this old city of Jerusalem or wherever they have taken him perplexed? It's silent, it's dark, it's now mysterious. In fact, it's disquieting. Verse 5 intensifies it by saying they were terrified. What changed them from perplexity to terror? Well, before you get to terrified, we read that two men, we know from the other gospel writers, they were angels. Two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. The darkness is now light, and the silence is now filled with the words of these angelic creatures. I'm telling you, this is a frightening moment. We sit in this comfortable place knowing the story and knowing how it ends or continues to say it better. And none of it shocks us. But suddenly there's no longer darkness. There's this resplendent light from these heavenly creatures. And no longer is it silent because they begin to speak and tell us things that we can hardly believe. They ask, why are you seeking someone who is alive at a cemetery? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Now, how would you like to come to that site where your friend had been laid to rest? And you've got flowers in your hands, and in the darkness of the morning, out of the blue come two creatures angelic creatures who tell you this one is now living who had been earlier dead asking you why are you coming to a cemetery to meet with someone who is in fact alive it doesn't register until they say verse 6 remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Remember that? And they're standing, these women are standing there, spices in hands, trying to remember, and it clicks. They get it. <sighs> He's alive. No one has taken the body. He has in the power of the living God been raised from the dead. He is alive. Now, just as you would have done, they respond predictably. Verse 8, they remembered his words. Verse 9, they returned from the tomb and they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, don't you wonder what the eleven thought when they heard that? Luke 24, 11. When they heard what the women said, these apostles responded, Nonsense! Now, isn't that reassuring? 
Nonsense. In fact, one of my, one of my uh, resources said that the term that is used here, and by the way, it's used nowhere else in the scriptures, it was a term used by medical writers of that day to describe the baffling words of fevered patients who were insane. <laughs> they saw these women and they say, you speak as insane people. What do you mean telling us that he has been raised? He's been raised from the dead. This is nonsense. Get a life. You have been, you know, you got up too early. You're seeing things. You're imagining things. That's the idea. Nonsense. And they would not believe them. Now it's time. Now. Thank you. John chapter 20. Having said that, two of them had their curiosity get ahead of them. And they decided they needed to go and check it out for themselves. Understand why they would say it was nonsense. In the passage I read earlier in Matthew, in the scripture reading, I, I, I was choosing that on purpose because Pilate had been visited by the chief priests and the elders who had said, we understand he's made this prediction that he will rise from the dead and it will be just like one of his disciples to come and steal him away and then announce there's been a resurrection and the deception will be worse now than it was when he came and claimed to be Messiah. So would you please send a guard and seal the tomb? Pilate, with a wave of his hand, says, you've got your own guard. You make it. You make it secure. I've done all for you I'm going to do. And so they probably chose the temple police who would be determined no one would get into that tomb. And they sealed the tomb and they set a guard day and night, only to be overwhelmed by the angelic appearance. Well, there's still much more that Chuck Swindoll has to say on this encouraging topic, so please keep listening to Insight for Living. This message represents the climax of our biographical study on Jesus, when our Lord conquered death and rose from the grave. Our prayer is that this teaching series on the life and ministry of Jesus has inspired you to learn more about Him and to love Him even more than you already do. To help you dig deeper, you'll find an excellent collection of helpful resources at insightforliving.ca. For instance, if it's a book you're searching for, Chuck has written a biography on the life of Jesus. It's called Jesus, the Greatest Life of All. Plus, every sermon in this teaching series has been recorded on CD, and the complete collection of 20 messages is available today. For the biography on Jesus and the audio CDs for this teaching series, call us at 1-800-663-7639. Well, most of us are carefully watching the news coming from Eastern Europe and further south in Israel. These are unsettling times. Innocent families have been violated. They continue to live in fear of what's coming next. To that end, Insight for Living is privileged to have a voice, not only here locally, but all across the country. And it's because people like you give generously to Insight for Living. If you've yet to join this effort, we invite you to become a monthly partner. As a monthly giver to Insight for Living, God will use your generosity to deliver His message to men and women who need to hear the good news of the gospel today. Becoming a monthly partner is easy when you follow the simple instructions at insightforliving.ca partner 
or to send a donation in the mail, write to us at Insight for Living Canada, Post Office Box Number 8, Station A, Abbotsford, B.C., V2T6Z4. I'm Bill Meyer. Join us when Chuck Swindoll continues to describe the miraculous resurrection of Jesus from death to life, Friday on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Not to Worry, He is Risen, was copyrighted in 1999, and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2024 by Charles R. Swindoll, Incorporated. All rights are reserved worldwide. Duplication of copyrighted material for commercial use is strictly prohibited.